Life gets hard sometimes, so grab your weighted blanket and let's talk about it. What do we do for an intro? Oh what my do goodness. we do for an intro? Um, hi, my name is Julia and I have anxiety. And I'm Jackie and I have ADHD, anxiety and depression, otherwise known as the trifecta of mental disorders that don't exist. All right. All right. And welcome to Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. Life gets hard sometimes. Grab your weighted blanket and let's freaking talk about it. <laughs> that was just the, the that was the tagline I was going to write She just needed for. she just needed one take. She is a one <laughs> take wonder. Let the record show. I am an actor. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad we got that out of the way. Um, I, yeah, when I, when I was thinking about doing this podcast uh, a couple of months ago and thought how, how fun it would be to continue the conversation of my anxiety outside of therapy. And I was like, huh, who, who would be, who would be a lot of fun? Who, who would, who would look at the pool and just dive head first straight in Jackie, (laughs) Jackie, 100%. So thank you for over exceeding my, my expectations. Unlike the bandwidth of my Xfinity internet. Oh, same. Well, and then on my end, I've literally been trying to start a podcast for like a year. And my, I think I told you my friend Gage and I had an idea of like, we should start a podcast where we like talk about different religious rituals and like the background on them. And then I realized that if we did that, I would definitely get death threats from somebody. And I'm too anxious of a person to handle that. So I, I sort yeah. of, I cut the cord on that one. <laughs> Although I mean, it would have been it's cool. kind of, it's kind of a given that when you are a, a a femme in entertainment, you're going to get death threats. It's very intimidating t- to men for you to be a woman openly speaking her mind and God forbid have people who actually listen to it. So I'm saying, I can't well, wait. I can't wait. I can't, I can't handle wait. that. So, I am too anxious for death threats. So instead we're just going to talk about right. anxiety. All right. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like that funny Seinfeld joke about like, like everyone's number one fear um, is, is having to speak in public. And then the second is like dying. Like people would rather die than speak in public. I'm probably totally misquoting and ruining that joke, but that's just, that's how I interpreted it. Oh, see, I'm I'm the opposite. I'm so anxious about death. I would, I would literally rather give a speech on something granule for the rest of my life. Really? For Um, all eternity. All eternity. (laughs) We can talk about it. Let, but let, let's start off with like, how did you, you go first. How did you get your diagnosis? How did you meet your therapist? Tell me things. Ooh, I have so many things. So I, I actually started going to therapy when I was uh, in elementary school because I didn't have a lot of friends uh, growing up. It was really hard for me to connect with my classmates. I, I, yeah, I, I, and I was really sad about it too. And I, it, I, I, I started seeing, I think I started seeing the school social worker and I started seeing her every week and it was just a lovely little place to go and, um, and talk to someone. And I continued that in middle school too. Thank God, because middle school, all middle schoolers should just be shut away into homeschool until they come of age. No, they one, are- no one is a full fledged, like everybody in middle school is like a psychopath and mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like doesn't know how to act right because it's the first yeah. time that you're expected to like act with any modicum of maturity and you just can't. It's can't. insane. You don't. You literally. Your brain is literally not big enough to hold in all that information and not react. You got all like, these and, hormones, like oh, oh, just like coursing through your veins, like caffeine. Like you just don't know what to do with them. And I, I grew up in like the, the neighborhood just North of Chicago where like mean girls was based off of like, like Tina Fey is from the North shore. And I'm like, I'm watching this film as a high school. I'm like, yeah, this, this feels very familiar. It's like way <laughs> too on the nose for you. <laughs> it's just a documentary. Mean girls is just a documentary to my <laughs> upbringing. Um, <laughs> so I, I stopped going to therapy in high school because I was just too damn busy. But honestly, that's probably when I needed this at the most. That's when I, I had a huge growth spurt. 
And my, my womenly curves came about and I had all kinds of body dysmorphia, all kinds of teasing. And I developed my eating disorder and I uh, experienced true depression for the first time. It was not the last. And I just, I didn't know what to do. And I just assumed that I was just failing. I was just failing at being a teenager. Like, and my answer to that was do more, take on more. And uh, that pattern continued in college. Uh, we, we were allowed to see a school therapist for only three sessions. Um, what? I, 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 you know, like these things in your mind, you label them as normal. And then upon review, you're like, that's weird. If you can't Why? fix your issues in three therapy sessions, too fucking bad, says yeah, college, right. apparently. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What am I paying all this tuition money for? It was oh, not for therapy. Me. Oh, my God. Tell me it was about not it. for therapy. But I, I went because I was, I was pretty... Uh, I got really depressed after I, I broke up with my boyfriend after my first semester of freshman year, um, which is a whole other episode for us to talk about. And I had to go on antidepressants, um, which is my first time with an antidepressant. And I just, I didn't feel like myself. I was just tired. I gained a lot of weight, only got to see a therapist three times. Um, <laughs> Yikes. It's really not recommended to go on an antidepressant and not be talking to someone. These, these things, I'm not a therapist. I'm going to say that right now at the top, like I'm not a therapist. I studied theater and music in school, but I'll, I'll tell you right now that combination did not work for me. Yeah. I was about to say when you're on, like when you're on antidepressants and stuff, aren't you supposed to be talking to someone to like check in and make sure it's not, I don't know, making your shit worse. You know, I feel like, you know, those like cheap packages, like that's cheap, like packaging that you could get. I'm trying to like, think of a really good metaphor, like skincare, you know, uh -huh. like yeah. you could go to Sephora and get like the really good or like Glossier and get like the really good shit. Or you could go to the dollar store where they just like label like coconut oil and hojiba and it's like a dollar and your mom is like, here slather this on it to feel better in a week um <laughs> so college therapy was like the 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 essie nail polish brand of therapy yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah no, there was no opi the there's yes. no china glaze <laughs> um static nails didn't exist at that time yeah you literally had like yeah it's like no just to essie i don't use nail polish i just knew that one from the drugstore <laughs> surprisingly it's not my favorite like and it works for some people but it doesn't for me but it's like it's like you know those like little like makeup kits that you give to kids and it's not real makeup it's not yeah. real nail polish it's literally just like colored water mm -hmm. like yeah that's that's what my therapy in college was um <laughs> just supposed to figure all this shit out on your own so anyway so as you can see uh, we're lightly brushing over a myriad of, of small problems that oh, overview is fine though. <laughs> right. I, I just, we'll, we'll, we'll go more into these things. Um, that's why we have this podcast. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I am, let me, let me set the scene now. It's, it's 2016. It's not the pandemic. We had an actual new year's Eve. <laughs> I'm living with my two guy friends in Chicago um, who are both in relationships. Um, so I am just surrounded by couples and they do couple weekends together and they do all these things together. And I, I'm going through a breakup with a guy that I dated shortly. And I think what was, what was really bad about this guy that I was dating is that we dated around Christmas and my birthday. So like it was a situation ship for sure. But like mm -hmm. we, we did a lot of like, holiday bonding and like you do like the milestone gifts. things and it feels important yeah I feel exactly you. even though you like you only dated like three to four weeks in and mm -hmm. it just it felt so like oh my gosh like I found this person like everything is clicking it's going so well and then he picks me up for a date and tells me he doesn't want to see me anymore because <laughs> we're moving too fast and I'm like you, you're the one that pressed the accelerator. I was just keeping up with you. Like, wait, hold on. I've been there. Um, what dudes listen, do that? Can we listen? Like, dudes and I'm not do gonna that. Lie. And I'm not gonna lie. I've done it to people too. Um, 
And I, I would like to think that this individual is now seeing a therapist or talking to someone because he, he, we were set up by friends. And when I told my friend that he, he dumped me because he said he was moving too fast, she goes, oh yeah, he does that. I'm like, why would you, he does that? Like that's a, no, like that, that's a fucking thing though. Like men will fully like act like y'all are in a relationship. And then the second you call it out and be like, hi, can we like make this official? Cause we're acting like we're in a relationship. He will be like, and never fucking mind. leave. It's oh, the wait, weirdest thing. Sorry that I made your 26th birthday, like the best birthday you've ever had. Now I'm just going to like destroy that memory. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> God. No, I mean, listen, in, in retrospect, of course, I'm like, gosh, I'm glad I didn't end up with him. And, and you know, he's with someone. I saw him at a friend's wedding like a year ago. And I, I hope whatever it was that was making him like put the brakes on from being happy or whatever, or at least he's like learned how to communicate better. Wish nothing but for the best for him. But Julia in 2016 was spiraling in depression because I, I had never been in a relationship really after, outside of school. Um, and I'm surrounded by all these people who are in relationships. And I just got my heart broken by this guy who I thought was going to be my rom-com Taylor Swift love song. And, it, you know, you expect to be like upset for a couple of weeks. We only dated like three to four weeks. And after a month, I was still in this really deep, dark place. And I just couldn't snap out of it. And I tried working out harder. I tried journaling better. I tried uprooting so many parts of my life and just more months into that. Like I, I, even my roommates, like, like we sat down for a roommate meeting and my roommate just looked at me and said, I just don't feel like you're happy here. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a single person with a broken heart surrounded by couples retreat every weekend. And they were all, well, you could tell us not to have our girlfriends over. And I'm like, I can't be that asshole. I can't, I don't want to do that. Why can't I mean, you go I hang mean, out with good them? On you for, good on you for not being that asshole, but yeah, I get that. I'd be that asshole now. <laughs> 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 That's the difference between your twenties and your thirties. I'm just like, you just stop giving any, any fucks, <laughs> right? It's like, well, okay, listen, listen, it was, it was, so it's five people, right? Me, my two roommates, their two girlfriends in one bathroom. Oh no. Goodbye. No one's Uh -uh. in my room was right next to the bathroom. My bed was right next to the bathtub. I heard everything. Oh God. Anyway, so I'm not getting better. And my, my really good friend, Sarah, um, that I worked with at our, our restaurant job, she had started seeing a therapist and I was like, well, if she's seeing a therapist and she likes it, maybe it'll work for me. Cause she was very much like one of those people who I'm like, you're too cool to be my friend. Like, I know, <laughs> I know that's not a thing, but I, it was very much a, like, like, like Sarah is very much a friend of like, you are so cool. You are so smart. You are so funny. You are so pretty. How are you my friend right now? Mean girls has lied to me all of my life. And, um, so yeah, I was like, well, she's doing it. I should do it. And, um, she was going to hear that kids therapy is cool. (laughs) It is. So (laughs) I think once you, yeah, 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 it's all right. And, uh, (laughs) especially if it's covered by insurance, then it's awesome. True. Very true. So awesome. But I, I, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I did have, I did have pretty good insurance. So, um, the clinic that she goes to, they have, um, these like, like, students who are filling out their, their hours and you can, um, get out time with them on like a a sliding scale based on your income. And, uh, I met with Leah, my therapist and all of these things, like these anecdotes, like I just told you in the last like 10 minutes that like, I laugh at like people would be like, how are you doing? Oh, you know, single broke in my twenties, LOL, YOLO. Um, sounds like your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she asked me like, so what brings you here? And I like sobbed. I cried. I did the same thing. Solid hour. It was like the dam burst open and like all of my filters, all the things that I kept from other people to keep them comfortable while I was miserable, just poured out. 
I did the same thing my first therapy session. First sentence, I like burst into tears Mm -hmm. in front of this at the time stranger who's just like all she said was like, "So what? What do you? What are you here for today? What do you? What did you want to talk about?" It's like, well, and just sobbing, freaking sobbing, just, just, and then I like, I, I mean, and and I, I needed that though. I really needed to, yeah, to be with a stranger, a person who has no weight on my, you know what I mean? Like she does not, I, I don't work for her. She's not a friend. Like, like, like she has no opinion of me at this moment, or like, I don't know what her opinion is of me. And, but like, there was something about that freedom, that like anonymity almost mm-hmm. of just being able to just be like, this is actually how I really feel about this. And I don't feel good. And it really like made me realize like, whoa, like I'm not being honest with myself. Like all of this stuff is like under the water in like the deep, deep part of this iceberg. And I'm not even aware of it. And I will say that um, I got really lucky with my therapist because she studied theater. Um, She was a student at NYU and she switched over um, to therapy because she realized that's what she really wanted to do. And it was just so nice to um, be with someone who already knew that life, who understood the language. So I didn't have to explain what tech was or production or auditions. There's nothing more harmful to say to an actor than how the audition go? Have you heard back from the audition? Oh, well, when's yeah. your next audition? <laughs> like all the stop. time. The answer is all the time. Five times a week. If I'm doing good, like that's, like, how, if you have that's a friend, how it's going. Yeah. If you have a friend's like job searching, you would never be like, have you heard back from that interview? Like when's your next interview? Like you just, just stop everyone just right now, just stop. And, um, yeah, I, and she was like my age and, um, she had really great taste in clothes. So a a lot of times I felt, I really, I felt that our, um, our dynamic of her being a peer, like someone who was a friend of mine who had done the theater thing, who understood that and was coming at life from a different angle was really helpful, uh, for me and our journey together in our relationship. But I will, uh, admit that, Uh, And this is something you and I talk about all the time that like, you know, people go into therapy and they expect to be done in three sessions. They expect to like be done in like a month or two months. And it it, like, I'm, I'm 30, I'm going to be 31 next week. And there has been so much stuff that has happened to me that I don't even like take in has happened to me. You know what I mean? It takes someone like a third party, again, a person who, is neutral in your life to be like, wait, that happened to you? Wait, wait, but back up, back up. But like, how did that happen? But how did you feel in the moment? Oh, for are you sure, sure you're okay? Are you sure you're okay? Like, like there's so much of that that affects my daily life. And I, I did not feel good until maybe like half a year in and not even good. Just like, if anything, I thought that I was getting worse because the more because you dredge all that stuff up and you become aware of it instead uh, of just ignoring it that's real it it really like like it's you know like like my therapist like she she takes note of patterns and when she starts to see those patterns come up the longer that we're working together she's like oh it's kind of similar to how this other area in your life is going it's like wait what and you just start to slowly see yeah these like these things pop up well this thing makes me anxious and then this thing makes me anxious and I also think this thing makes me anxious oh my gosh everything makes me anxious it's like I I was always anxious I've been anxious I think since I was in third grade and I didn't have friends and I was really worried what that meant about me um and it it took so yeah six months in I was like wow I'm a mess. I don't know what to do. Like, let me regurgitate all this again onto my therapist. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to stop going. (laughs) I've been going for, oh, four and a half years now. And it really, it really is. I mean, again, thank God my, my insurance, um, covers the bulk of it, but, uh, yeah, I really need it. I really need it. 
I completely understand. I went, I, so I actually didn't go to therapy for the first time until I was 23. And I went originally, I didn't go for, so, oh God, the background, oh, it's going to sound like, oh, oh, the background, it's just, it, every time I talk about it, it's just, it's such a classic uh, millennial raised by boomer parents kind of like tale. I was, you know, I, I was, I was the perfectionist kid who was lauded for, uh, you know, being the gifted and talented kid at elementary school. And then I hit the real world and realized that none of that shit meant anything. And I, and I originally, and, you know, getting, getting help for things like anxiety and depression was just never on my radar because I was raised with the bootstraps mentality. And I was mm-hmm. raised with the, like, stop being dramatic, like, just, you know, whip yourself into yeah. shape kind of mentality. Yeah. And I, and I believed it for the oh, longest yeah. time because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to believe that I was tough. Um, right. And I, you know, that was, that was a pride point for me or whatever. So I didn't go to therapy until something happened in my life that like I needed grief counseling for. Um, and I showed up and I, you know, I, I, I got that, you know, like you, I was lucky. I got my therapist right on the first try, which was, that's crazy to me. Cause I know a lot of people like have to try out like five or six therapists before they yeah. find one they like. So it was nuts to me, but I found, you know, I, I sat down and there was Deb and she, and she was just like, okay, so, you know, uh, what, what are you, what are you here for? You know, what did you want to talk about? And I was like, well, and I just burst into tears <laughs> and was just like, d- like, just like unloaded for like, an, you know, the next hour. But then, you know, as we, as you know, I continued to go seeing that therapist. She was like, you know, you like have anxiety, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's, that's not a thing. Like, (laughs) oh, you didn't. No, you didn't. I was just like, no, no, seriously. My, my therapist, like literally a year in, because I thought I was just going for depression and like, like my bad relationship with food. Um, and she like casually mentioned, she's like, you know, most patients that had experienced GAD and I'm like, GAD. She's like, generalized anxiety disorder. That's what you have. And I'm like, right, right. I totally played it like, oh yeah, I, I know that. this. <laughs> I knew this. And then totally like Wikipedia to GAD and was like, wait, this is a thing. This is an actual thing. Totally. No. Well, it's like, I, I knew that, I knew that it was a thing and I knew that I probably had it, but like in my brain, I was like, well, I just need to be better. I just need to be harder on myself. I just need to work right. harder, et cetera, et cetera. Suck it up, just, buttercup. Basically. And she and she was just like, well, you know you have that, right? I'm like, yeah, but like I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna like do anything about it, essentially. And then subsequently, you know, I would I would talk to her about um this was this is the funniest thing. It was it was about a year into therapy, and I had I had been telling her about like how frustrated I get with myself that I can't work better and that I'm a chronic procrastinator and that I have such a hard time like uh starting projects and that I have such a hard time paying attention and that it's really frustrating and I like I just I'm you know I'm a perfectionist and I want everything to be perfect now but I can't start anything and it's this like weird crippling cycle and it's just such bullshit and she sort of cuts me off and she goes so wait a minute so have you ever been formally diagnosed with ADHD and it was, it was the formally, it was the Deb. word, it was the Deb. word, it was the word formally that like gave me pause because this was not someone saying like, maybe you should look into this. This might be something that maybe if I, she's like, no, your ass has fucking ADHD. Did no one ever tell you, 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 you little idiot? Like it was... <laughs> And like, I, and of course, like, you know, like you, I went, I went home and I Googled it and I, you know, I took a bunch of those online, like, uh, you know, psychologytoday.com like questionnaires, like where, you know, if you tick off enough boxes, that means you have the thing. And on every, on top of every one of them, it's like, this is not a formal diagnosis tool, but on every single one of them, I, you know, you check yes. If you experience the symptom, I was checking literally every symptom. Jackie. Every symptom. Well, because I didn't know. And that's the thing that's been frustrating. So my ADHD diagnosis was 
I got it at 24. And what has been frustrating in subsequent years is that I now look back on my childhood and realize that I, from, from as long as I can remember, I was exhibiting very clear markers for ADHD, uh-huh. but because I wasn't a boy, they ignored it. Oh, I you was, think, you think I, that's the reasoning? Can you go into that? Can you go into that, Jackie? Let's talk about it. Let's fucking talk about the underdiagnosis. People like to talk about, I'm going to go on a rant here for a second. I don't even care. Uh, like, I'll keep it short. People like to talk about how ADHD is overdiagnosed when in fact it's maybe overmedicated, but it, you, you know, if you, you, you might argue that like medicating children, like isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. And that's a whole other conversation. But what we need to talk about is how underdiagnosed ADD and ADHD is in little girls. I was running around the classroom. I could not look someone in the eye when I talked to them. I couldn't pay attention. I would, I would parrot back what I heard, but then I would immediately data dump it. I was smart, but I was flighty and I like, couldn't sit still. How did no educators in my entire life, like look at that behavior and go, Hmm, this kid might have ADHD. If I were a little boy, they 100% would have. And, you know, I had, I had a fair you know, it, it, it wasn't even the fact that I was in like a bad system. I had a fairly privileged upbringing that I'm very grateful for. But, you know, it's just like people in white suburbia didn't catch this. How no, many 100%. how many kids of color are slipping through the cracks on this exact issue? And like, oh, my God, yeah. it's it's insane. I, I, so no, like 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 no, I was raised with like the same mentality of like, like, you're the oldest. You got to take care of yourself. Like I would watch like like my my parents like baby my younger brother. And I was like, well, I got to go take care of myself, I guess. But like if I if anyone made me uncomfortable in my in school or even in my family it was all like you need to stop crying like you're overreacting you're being too sensitive and i would i would get through these like like i'm in high school i i really i especially fixated about boys and everyone just writes that off as girls being boy crazy but i like yeah like in retrospect it's like no, I was really looking for male attention and validation because coming from myself wasn't enough. And so mm-hmm. I was obsessive about it. And I want to take this time to apologize to every boy I had a crush on <laughs> in high school. Oh, I'm no. so sorry. Oh, I'm no. in therapy now. I'm much more fun to be around. <laughs> don't call me. And um, it, it, But like, it, it is, it is, Another part of therapy I I came upon was like when I finally did like learn more about myself and my habits and how to like actually take care of myself and how to think through a process without driving myself crazy and driving the ones around me crazy. I was like, wow, this would have been, my life would have been so much easier. Not just, but just like, just handling like stress, like there's actual stress and And if someone, if anyone says to you that like, you're feeling too much, you're overreacting, you're not like, you need to focus, like, I'm sorry, fuck you. You have no idea what's going on in my head right now. And that person is like putting on their own issues with like their mental processes. But I, there were many, many moments in my younger life when I needed help, when I I needed someone to sit down and like, be like, what is happening right now in that little head of yours? And not like basically gaslight me into thinking that I was overreacting. I was not overreacting. I am a sensitive human being. And there are some really shitty people in this world who should be called out on their shit. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. No, I, I, I feel the same way. There were multiple, like the... I, I grew up with the mentality that I needed to work harder because I was lazy, because adults kept telling mm-hmm. me I was lazy because mm-hmm. I couldn't focus. Mm-hmm. And now I am now, I am now 27. I recently went on ADHD medication and guess what? Now I can focus. And yeah. m- my whole life I was like, I thought this was my fault. And I did. And I refused help and medication because I was told that it was my fault. Yeah. There was definitely, um, when I, when I got depressed right before I started seeing a therapist, there was a feeling of shame about being depressed because oh, 100%. I should be able, I should be able to knock out of it and, and get, get on with my life. Like I could, 
I could look at the facts of what was going on in my life and know that I was very lucky. I was very privileged. I had a lot to be thankful for and I wasn't, and it must've been something that I wasn't doing. Yeah. And like feeling like, you know, like we talk all the time about how, like I have anxiety about getting anxiety and I get anxious about getting depressed and, um, yeah, just the, the stigma of it all. Like there's a huge, there's a huge element of like feeling like I don't deserve to have mental health problems. Like, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we've both been, you know, lucky enough to grow up fairly privileged and the, and there's, there is this huge feeling of like, well, I don't have any real problems in my life. Why the heck do I have issues? These must not be real. Right. And Unfortunately, like that's just not how psychology works. People in people in the third world have I'm sorry, we're not supposed to refer to it as the third world. People in developing nations also have mental health issues. They just don't have access to care. And that's the issue there. Yeah. Right. It's oh man. Yeah, no, I I felt the exact same way for you uh, well into my 20s. I just ignored any any mental health issue that I would have while I was actively experiencing, you know, severe seasonal depression, actively hiding mm. actively hiding my ADHD that very severely impacted my life and my grades and my relationships and just ignoring it because I was just like, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't real. I don't have any problems. Therefore, like, this isn't a thing. And it's like, it's just so, it's just so messed up. That was, it (laughs) it is. There is a lot that we need to fix about how everyone sees self-care, mental health, um, all of these things, because they really are like everyone experiences at some point in their life. Hello, the pandemic. And I, I really, I honestly, so when the pandemic started and everyone was getting really anxious about what was happening, cause we had no idea, like when it started getting bad after those first two cute weeks where we thought it was just like, Oh, Remember the days when we thought this was going to be six weeks? You might have been a little giddy, you know. I was like, ooh, work from home. You didn't didn't put on a bra and you were excited (laughs) about it. You went to the gym and you had the whole gym to yourself thinking like, oh, this is this isn't that bad. Uh, and then you couldn't get toilet paper and it was, <laughs> but you know, so everyone, so at that point, you know, and, uh, you see the numbers and you see what it's doing to, um, the death toll is rising and all these things are getting, sh- all these industries are getting shut down. Um, like all my friends that still work in hospitality, all my friends that are in theater and entertainment business. And everyone's like, oh my God, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. And I'm like, Welcome, welcome to welcome, my life. Welcome. I I live in a constant. Let's imagine the worst case scenario. Oh, constantly. It's here's here's your CBD drink. It's going to be okay. I that's a great tagline. Here's your CBD drink. It's going to be okay. I'm literally drinking a CBD drink because this is a happy hour. Nice. <laughs> I think that should be a rule. One of us should at least be drinking some kind of liquid. Because I have we don't. water. <laughs> That's good. Hydration is important. I would, wouldn't you love if like a CBD bar was a thing? I'm pretty sure that's going to be a thing because like, the, like a tea shop, but, but for CBD, I know there's a CBD shop in uh, Lakeview on like Sheffield near Belmont that like has a little bar and you could like order, I think water and tea with CBD in it. I'll, I was, I was a stoner for too long. So CBD doesn't do anything for me. Oh, you poor thing. I know. But um, but it's so I I really one of the things that I I want to see as a takeaway from the year of 2020 is that we we stop with um what do they call it toxic positivity? Yeah. Um, you know, like you can do it. Like just keep, if you dream it, you can be it. Like like that's okay. Like you like just look on the bright side and. I think now that everyone has experienced it and understand that, wow, that's a really harmful thing to say to someone who's in the mental weeds. Yeah. Like we, we just, we need to stop saying that it's literally just putting a bandaid on. It's not even on a wound. It's like putting a bandaid on your, your arm internet. fell off. <laughs> yeah. Or like your internet cable, like that doesn't belong there. Mm, fair. You made it even more flammable. What are you doing? 
<laughs> hire an electrician for God's sake. Um, that is, that's a good metaphor. I like that. Yeah. It's there. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there, there's a lot of things that need to be rethought when it comes to talking about mental health and we can talk about them on this show. <laughs> Anytime slide into the DMS. We'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's been, especially like around the new year, I've been finding a lot of people like saying how, how grateful they are. Like we should be grateful for, and and that's a hard word for me to say because, you know, over, I think now it's, we're at 328 something thousand people have, have died. It's probably more than that now that I've, I know it's a million worldwide, but yeah, it's, yeah. so it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to sit here with what I have taken away and feel grateful when I know it's come at such a high cost um, because of how this has been handled, especially in our country. People need to change views about their own relationship with mental health and other people's relationships with mental health. It's kind of like art, you know, like some things work for different people. Everyone gets a little something different out of it, but what matters is, is what works for you and be respectful of what works for others. Yeah, that's valid as hell. And I think also just an acknowledgement that this shit's complicated. And this is something that we'll delve into more in future episodes. I feel like there, there tends to, people tend to want a one-stop shop approach to different right. mental health. Like, you, you know, but in, in reality, sometimes there, there are not enough planners. There's not enough exercise. There's not enough, you know, decaffeinated drinks. There's not enough, not uh, enough dick, not enough yoga. <laughs> dick to, to to fix to you know fix your mental health problems sometimes it's the, the, not not one size fits all and yeah I was actually I was talking about this with um with my boyfriend um his name is JC uh and because like I was like looking back at my my passion planner hashtag passion planner passion planner please I do love please, a passion planner please be please be please be a sponsor, sponsor. us <laughs> please sponsor us I love you so much and uh, I was looking back on all these goals that I have. And like one thing that I have that this pandemic has changed my mind about how I look about it, it's like what actually makes me happy. Uh, because so much of it was like, I want to become a, a casting director. I want to work. I'm going to be uh, a staff member for a storefront theater company. And I want to be in a relationship and I want to weigh, I want to weigh this much weight. And I got those things eventually. Like I got the, the one bedroom apartment. I got the goal weight. I got the boyfriend, not current boyfriend, previous boyfriend. And I wasn't happy. And these things did not make me happy. And so much of like, what I want to do now is like, actually like figure out like what does actually make me happy because just chasing a number on the scale, just isn't it like my, like, I think when I was at my lowest in my weight, that's when I was the most depressed. That's not healthy. I can't live like that. Um, so that wasn't, that wasn't the answer. So yeah. I'm just working on being less of a judgmental bitch toward myself. Oh, come on now. Come on. Now. I am. So, no, oh, I could. I'm so judgmental toward myself. And this is like, I mean, the, a huge, a huge part of why I have stuck with a therapist for so long is because I automatically assume that no one wants to hear my problems, mm. but I have a lot of problems. Yeah. And a lot of them is the fact that I am mean to myself and I'm working on making that not be a thing. Oh, same time next week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nice yeah. talking to you. Bye. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Seriously. I, I love my, my therapist, like her, her catchphrase was always whenever like the end of the 50 minutes was up, she'd be like, well, that's something that we can continue exploring and go into next week. It's like a little hook of like, Oh, no, there's like, more work and, <laughs> and we have more and there's I'll I'll take I'll take all the copay here and I'll take all the copay here. <laughs> yep. Oh, straight up. When I told my therapist, like I, I went on meds back in November. And when I told my therapist, like I've tried literally everything. I didn't want to go on meds. I've tried, you know, X, Y, Z. I've tried planners. I've tried calendars, blah, 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 blah. It's time for me to go on meds. She immediately said, yes. And also I want to go back to twice a month. <laughs> Because at the time I was only doing once a month. Girl, 
You can't get shit done in therapy in once a month. I didn't have insurance. Oh, that's fair. I was that's paying. Fair. Out, I was paying out of pocket. Yeah, but I, oh, I do fuck. need it twice a month. Uh, oh, do you only see therapy twice a month? I do. Yeah. Well, not. Yeah. Now I'm doing it every other week. Um, okay. Which is which is fine for me because I'm also, um, you know, I've I've just recently got adjusted to the meds. I I see my therapist once a week. I try to do every other week, and she wouldn't let me. Um, and at first, I thought that she just wanted the copay, but it it actually turns out that because um, like like we'll have like like she'll be gone for vacation, I'll be gone for vacation. It's the holidays or whatever, and like we'll come back after two weeks, and I'm like, there's just too much to fill her in on. There's just too much stuff to cover and we're not like having enough time to like pinpoint wherever we are in the pattern and dig deeper into it. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I see her once a week and I'm lucky that I have insurance, um, and have mostly, mostly had insurance. I think I only had to pay out of pocket one time when my insurance changed because of my job, uh, or she changed a, a place, but she's always been good to me. Um, but a point I wanted to, um, cause your, your sobriety, um, reminded me about how I'm, um, yeah, I switched to regular coffee recently. Not, oh, yeah. I you switched, were telling me about that. I switched from regular to decaf. And the funny story of it was, was that I was advised to wean myself off of it. So what I did is I got a little container and I took the, the fresh grounds I got from the grocery store and I poured, I poured out, um, I was just going to cut back. I was just going to cut back half of what I was drinking. So I poured out my filters, measured them and had them ready to go. So in the morning I could just grab them and get it going in the, um, in the coffee maker life hack. And, uh, that week I had like the worst withdrawal symptoms. Like I had headaches and nausea and, um, constipation and, uh, and, and like jittery, like just so jittery. And, I, I'm very pale. Uh, I am very white and my, I was doing like a workout. I was in plank and I could see how red my hands were because my circulation was like just all over the place. And I was like, wow. Oh my God. It's crazy. And like, and I had, I, and then my sleep was all off. I was waking up at like four in the morning. I was I had energy at like 6 PM at night, which was never, has never been a thing since I switched over to the nine to five life. So I'm not, I'm not mad about that, but I'm experiencing. So obviously I'm experiencing a lot of withdrawal symptoms and I'm thinking that I, I only cut back half of what I was drinking. So it's time for me to refill my container and I reach for those grounds I was telling you about. And I looked at the package and it's actually decaf. (laughs) Uh, And I, I accidentally went cold Turkey. And I really don't recommend it. So it's great. I mean, I took a four week process and I turned it into a one week process, which is the most Capricorn thing that I have done to myself. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how it goes because I, I think like the first two weeks I was feeling less anxious. I think it's come back now. Um, but in my head, it feels like, my, my thoughts that are always racing, they've like slowed down a little bit. So it's easier for me to be like, oh, let me just, I'm going to just, let me just untangle this really quick before I keep the track going, or let me just get this out of the way before it gets into the danger zone. So I'm, it's a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like time will tell for sure. I will say that my, my energy, like I have so much more energy in the afternoons and evenings and I don't need as much sleep as I used to. Like I would need like nine to 10 hours of sleep to feel well rested. If I got eight hours, seven hours, I would just feel miserable throughout the day, even drinking coffee. And now like I get seven and a half hours of sleep and I'm up and I'm awake and it lasts all throughout the day. And I'll even like, I use a Fitbit um, monitor and it looks like I'm getting like better quality sleep in less amount of time, which is great for everyone, which is great for everyone. I need a shit ton of sleep to function. And I'm, it's really annoying. I, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try, maybe I'll try cutting back on coffee. Thing is my, the, the brain, the brain pills I'm on for ADHD, they're not stimulants, but 
I find that I need to drink significantly less coffee. Like I'm usually like a two or three cups person, but like ever since being on these pills, I'm like maybe one cup. Sometimes I'll drink, I, sometimes I won't even finish the cup. So it's, it's weird. I like accidentally cut back on coffee and now I keep making too much every morning. It's so interesting that you have like the self-restraint because like coffee for me is such like an emotional I don't. That's the thing though. I have I no so self-restraint. Much. I have I no self-restraint. <laughs> It's just, it's, it literally, interesting. Yeah. it's just that I, I create, I crave it less. It's weird. Interesting. Okay. That's, we should, yeah. we, sh- we should absolutely have an episode about that because right. I have, I have a journey that ends with me watching a bunch of addiction documentaries and being really happy that I never once tried heroin because I would be dead by now. Yeah. Well, so I, so I, on that topic, I, I decided to quit coffee because JC um, like, you know, we have our couch time together and I like to have my cup of Joe with me and he'll just be like, why, you know, he's an athletic trainer. He's very like nutritionally aware, um, but not in an annoying influencer way. You know what I mean? And he's <laughs> like, well, you got a good night's sleep. Why do you need a coffee? And I, I, I literally said to him, I can't, I feel like I can't function without it. Like I can't mm-hmm. be my best self without it. And he's like, isn't that what addiction is? And I'm like, yep. God damn you. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I hate and like, and he would ask me all the time because like I've dated alcoholics, I've dated um, smokers and I'd be, and he'd be like, well, what was like the thing that annoyed you the most? And like, for me, like I can't, I can never date someone um, who, who smokes cigarettes because it's not the the smell, not just like the health problems that comes with it, but it's the constant need mm-hmm. to- it's the need to go outside in a polar vortex and smoke. And I just don't want to be around that. Yep. And here I am saying that I'm only my best version of myself when I drink coffee. And I'm like, God damn it. Now it doesn't make sense in my brain anymore. And I have to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I decided to try it recently was because I... Uh, I, you know, I, I had the thought of like, okay, well, you're, you might be able to do this now, now that you have, you know, the extra norepinephrine in your brain, like you might be able to try this. And then I thought to myself, it's like, <laughs> that's the what, chemical. What was that word again? What was that word again? Norepinephrine. It's the brain, it's the brain chemical that my amygdala does not make uh, enough of, which is why I have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's true. Oh my god. But it's like I and I literally I literally just wasn't able to even fathom going sober before. And I thought to myself, it's like, well, now I might be able to. And then and then I thought, like, yeah, but I kind of don't fucking want to. And and then I so much. And then I so much. But then like the counter thought to that was it's like, okay, you don't want to, but like the question is, would your life be better if you did? And it's like Mm. I I don't know. And it's like, well, until you figure that out, like you should try it, you know, for science. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing it for science. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Starting our own research. Well, yeah. What, what, what are you, what are you looking, what are you excited about to be doing this podcast together? What are you looking forward to? I'm, I am excited. I'm excited about the stories because you and I both have a lot of really fun, crazy stories. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Along with the really depressing. I think that was like my favorite reaction when I was telling people that we were, we were developing this. They're like, oh, you're doing a podcast. Oh, a funny podcast. What's going to be about anxiety and depression? They're like, that's, that's a, that can be funny. Yeah, it can be. In a cathartic way. In a cathartic way. Very. The, uh, while we were researching this, I found the, um, oh, what it was, what was it called? There was, there was a, there was a podcast on, um, you know what? I can't, I can't remember. And you know, uh, don't, name names. don't name names. We don't want them coming at us anyway. Just, there was a quote by, um, Mike Berbiglia and he, mm-hmm. and he, and he said something along the lines of like, I want to be funny. And I also want to provide a catharsis. And it's, and that's what I'm looking forward to is providing an environment of funny and catharsis. How about you? What are you looking for? Yeah. I think going off of that thought, I I've seen so many, like, I kind of want to call them like late bloomers, like people like you and me who discovered therapy in their adult life, um, and, and being diagnosed, um, with GAD, depression, ADHD, and the whole, the list goes on and, 
going through this journey of, of self-reflection and um, passing on to others that it's actually really okay to not be perfect. It's what makes us all amazing. And I, what I have found when I, you know, I'm very open about my journey with therapy and, um, and my issues and, and what I struggle with on a daily basis. And other people come forward to me and say, like, I have the same thing. I thought I was alone. I thought I was weird. And it's like, oh no, you should, you should come hang out with me. My friends, like we're all, we're all (laughs) weird. So we're all, we're all weird with our own various like challenges and struggles. But again, like, and like, that's something that we can go into. Like there are some good things that come from me having anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Um, You just, no one wants to talk about it because the bad stuff is so scary. And I really was inspired by how many like our friends in our circle who are like discovering that they, their issues that they have been battling um, could very well be solved by therapy or a different kind of therapy. So I'm, I'm excited to bring on um, some, some guests slash friends of ours, just have a really good time knocking the shit out of the park and inspiring others to look inwardly and take, learn how to take better care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be cathartic. It'll be a time and you should tune in to Rated Voice. <laughs> oh go, my God. Going back to radio voice <laughs> and you should tune in to Rated, wait, well, I said it wrong. Weighted Blanket Happy Got Hour. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. This is, we'll my NP- this is my NPR voice. I am Paisley Alocasia and you are listening to Radio One. Am I doing a good job? <laughs> so proud i'm so proud um paisley allocation is the name i came up with <laughs> i i was like i i was like i'm gonna pretend i know who that is and just smile no i literally like was like oh do that facebook meme where you think of a pattern and then think of something in the room and like i looked at my yes. plant and like <laughs> that's that's amazing you had me fooled you had me fooled yeah no it's uh it, it's i mean why not why not why not make something scary fun yeah, I like That's it. how I feel about it. Oh, and it fits in with, guess what my New Year's resolution is? Oh, you do those. Yes, what is it? I like I like New Year's resolutions. I always set them very vague so that they're accomplishable. Mm. Like there one you year, go. One year was drink more water. One year was do more art, be more bisexual. Last year was get mental health under control, which it's significantly better than it was a year ago. And this year is the year of hack the fear. AKA the year I stopped letting fear hold me back. Look at you. Look at you. This fits in with that. And we hope you'll join us. Thank you. And see you next week. Whenever we post another one. We're doing every, every other week. My God. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. And see you in two weeks. Yeah. My anxiety can't take every week right now. My anxiety can't take every week. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.